Well, good morning. Linda left her stuff up here. Uh, I get it. So, a uh, few things that are going on. Um, just to let you know, because I, I have had a lot of con- uh, questions about this uh, the last week or so. We have started the construction again. The, uh, the sewer line is going in. They came from... The reason that we had to stop it for a while was because the, um, the water in the ground, right? <clears throat> so we had to get it re-engineered. We had to get some extra manholes put out there. Um, and I don't really know all the stuff. I'm, I think I'm making things up right now. But we had to change stuff. I know we had to change the depth. They approved that, the depth of the sewer lines and stuff like that. So they started back this last week digging. They've come from... Um, you know, where we had to go almost to the promenade shops. They've come all the way up to the road here, and then we've gone down some to the road. And then this week, we'll do this side of the road, and we'll have the company that's going to come in and do the, um, the uh, water mitigation, take the water out of the ground, although the freezing temperatures have really helped. Uh, the ground's been hardened because of all of this, and so it's, it's a good thing. And, uh, and, I, and I was out there for a while watching them this week, just watch them dig in. The inspector, the city inspector's there, and he's approve it as they go, and they're bearing it as they go, so it's, the city's really working with us on this, too. I need to give them credit, because I've been critical of them, uh, some, but uh, they really have been working with us to get this done, and then this week, we'll get the line put in down on our side of the road, down here, and then the week of the 18th, we'll cut through the road and finish it and tie it into the other side, and uh, then we'll be done, and so... um, uh, and then that's like phase one, right? You guys know that. Then we have to figure out, then, we, then we'll know our price tag for that. We can wrap that up and then say, okay, this is what we owe. We do have money in the bank, but we are going to have to have a lot of giving toward this to, to get this part paid down because of the way we've done it um, to go into the next step. We have to have, with the building costs and with the bank and everything else, we're kind of caught here a little bit. And we have to have this part paid down. But the good thing is that this isn't stressing us. It's not like putting a major uh, financial strain on us to, 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 for what we have done now. We just can't do anything else <laughs> until we get uh, this. At least look at it, pay it down, see what we can do at that point. So we'll let you know over the next few weeks. We should be able to get a uh, we should get able to be able to finished wrapped up number here in the, probably the next two to three weeks on uh, on this phase one, and then we can actually begin. Everything that we've done is all underground. You can't see it. And uh, now then we can actually maybe have a building here pretty soon. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, uh, we did learn something uh, in first service. Uh, the first service was much fuller than normal. And uh, this was the first free specialty coffee drinks to, according to some of you, to lure and manipulate people to first service. And, uh, and if that was the reason, it worked very well. So... Uh, we did learn something, though. This has been a learning experience for us, too. We have learned that some people can be bought. <laughs> and we know about what the price range is for that. So uh, f- for the rest of you here, we're hoping a few more of you can be bought for around $6, somewhere right in there. So uh, we're still going to do all through the month of February. We're doing the free, um, the free specialty drinks before first service. At 8.30, that goes away. If you're standing in line, I guess maybe, maybe they will take your drink order at 8.31-ish. But at that point, Jesus has moved into the sanctuary. You need to also. So, um, so, so this series that I'm doing right here, this is, um, is going to be three weeks, maybe four. I'm still kind of processing um, how, this is, how that's going to play out. But I'll tell you the next three weeks so you can kind of know. <clears throat> And this has to do with, um, well, I, so here's kind of the focus sentence. This will, this will help you get in. I'm going to read this, this in just a little bit. But this is kind of the focus sentence. And this is something that has bothered me literally, even as a child, I remember hearing preaching and teaching about end times. And, and this always stuck in my head. It did not, there was, some, there was a disconnect for me. The, the sentence where it says that, that one of the signs of the last days, and it says it more than once, but one of the last signs in the last days is that people will believe a lie. I've often wondered about that because the way the scripture says it, I didn't understand this as a kid, but as I've got older, the, the way the scripture says that is it doesn't say that there, that the, it does talk about the Antichrist deceiving people, right? 
But on this, it doesn't seem like the Antichrist has deceived people into believing that something is truthful. It's not what it says. It says that they believe a lie, which means it appears that they know it's a lie but choose to believe it. That is a completely different category than, than um, I, I am deceived into believing something, right? Um, I've been deceived into believing things over the years. I, even as a pastor, I've got caught up. Um, back in the day when I was a youth pastor, I got caught up in 25 years ago in, in like the uh, name it, claim it, hyper faith, um, um, prosperity movement. I got caught up in that pretty good. My, my pastor was a very strong faith preacher, and a lot of people that came to the church were the, the prosperity stuff. He wasn't a prosperity preacher, but he wasn't not, right? Great man of God. I wasn't questioning him. He was very solid theologically. But, but, we, but that became a thing in our church, and I got caught up in it, and I, would, and I began to preach that stuff. I'm in my early to mid-20s at the time, began to preach that stuff. And then God really began to show me, Jesus didn't die on the cross so I can drive a new car. And, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a big problem with that theologically. All right. So, so yes, you can be deceived into believing something that's different, but when you know it's a lie and you believe it, that's a total different category, and that's a, that's a very dangerous place to be. And so my question has always been, why, why would we believe that? Why, why, would, uh, why would the world, because this isn't just a small group of people, why would the world at large believe a lie? Well, there's some other things. Now, I'm going to be talking about some end-time stuff through this whole series, but this is not a series on the end-time events. This is more on the series, this is more of a series of of why does this stuff happen? Why, why is there going to be a one-world religion? You know that doesn't happen overnight. It's not like you've got these, these very dedicated whatever, you know, Christians or Muslims or whatever, and then one day they're like, you know what, let's all just get together and have a religion together. That cannot happen. Now, that can happen with a lot of things like Hinduism, Buddhism. You can actually integrate those together fairly well. And in a lot of different countries, they do kind of syncretize in different ways. Um, um, Spiritism, paganism, different like that, they can, they can syncretize. But Christianity cannot, and, and Islam cannot, right? And so why, why does one day they're just a worldwide religion? Why is there a, a one-world government? Because I, these are not overnight things. These are processes that develop over time, and, uh, and, there are, and, and the people of the planet are the ones that are responsible for these things coming into fruition over time. Okay? The same kind of concept as what we've been seeing in our country, that being a, a free republic and, and then slowly working our way into socialism, that does not happen overnight. It has to be incrementally done, and it has to be done over generations because you have to go through a generation for a generation to accept certain things a generation before never would. Right? There's a lot of things going on right now on the planet that if it, in the United States, that if the World War II generation was still alive, for the most part, I mean, there's some, but you don't understand what I'm saying. If they were still alive in mass, this stuff would not be happening. They went to war to fight against it. It's not going to be allowed to come to our country. But then the next generation, the next generation. So all these things. This week, I'm going to talk about us personally, because anytime you address something, you've got to start personally. Guys, this goes with anything. When you, when you're, if you're having problems in your marriage, you start with you. You don't start with them. In fact, you don't really ever get to them if you do this right. You start with you, and you kind of stay there. And it's amazing how when you, when you let the Lord begin to change you, how God just kind of already changes them. They, they, you wake up one day, and all of a sudden, they're just a better spouse. You're like, thank you, God. And God's like, I didn't do anything to them. So you start with you, and you stay with you. Well, that's what we're going to do today is we're going to look at us in this big picture of, of how do you get to a point of, of the world believing a lie. Um, and then next week, we're going to look at the church, and there's some, some really strong things that in the church. For there to become a one-world religion, <clears throat> now, I am going to preface this uh, this morning. We're going to read some scripture that the church is not going to be here when this happens, and I think scripture is pretty clear about that. The church gets taken away, because that's the only way the Antichrist can get here, right? But with that being said, all the stuff leading up to this, the church has been complicit in. And I'm going to talk about that tomorrow, and then the third, uh, next week, and then I'll probably talk a little bit of tomorrow around here, but <laughs> then the third week, 
Uh, we're going to look at society, and we're going to look at some governmental stuff and, and, and concepts of how a country can go down the road of, of choosing to be deceived. Now, even as, as, as soon as three or four years ago, I still was, even though I knew this was, could happen, and I was seeing little things over the years that proved to me that people could, could um, uh, knowingly choose to embrace a lie. I've watched that for years as a pastor. Um, I still didn't see it in as much clarity as the last two years have showed us all, hopefully has showed all of us, how easily we can buy into the lie. Um, even the whole Joe Rogan thing that's going on right now. Um, I, don't, I don't really listen to Joe Rogan much. Um, I, I think he's got some solid stuff, but he just cusses too much for me. I wish he wouldn't do that. But, but the, the thing with, with Joe Rogan is now they're saying from the White House, we have to stop this stuff because of the misinformation. And here's the reality. Joe Rogan is actually speaking truth. CNN speaking misinformation and disinformation. CNN has a, has a belief rating in the 20 percentile right now in our country. 20% of the people say they believe CNN. That's scary because that's the news source, supposedly. And, um, and obviously, Spotify paid Joe Rogan $102 million for his podcast. Somebody's believing him, right? And so this, this idea, why, how can we go there as a country? How do we do this kind of stuff? And we're going to look at this societally, and then maybe there'll be a fourth one too, but we'll look at this. So, so this morning, we're going, to, we're going to really focus in on this concept of lies and what, and what lies do and how they affect us. And I'm saying us as Christians, not, not uh, the average person in society, but I'm saying as a Christian, if you say, Jesus, you're my Savior, I, I belong to you, then how can we be deceived? Because that's the scary part right there. That's the scary part. So Matthew chapter 24. I did, I did go over about 15 minutes in first service. <clears throat> we'll see if I can trim that up a little bit. Matthew chapter 24, verse 24. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive. So, so the arena, this is important for us to pay attention to. The arena of deception is not... Um, uh, societal. It's not political. It's not moral deception. This is specifically spiritual deception in the arena of religious deception. Okay, that's important. And so they're to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. That means there are people that will not be deceived, but there are certain reasons why they're not deceived. Because even some Christians, very true, solid Christians. I really believe that a lot of the people that are being deceived today in our society are not really Christians. Just because the church is being deceived does not mean that they're Christians. And I, and I, don't, I don't want to pick on this too much because I'm not the decider of who's a Christian and who's not. But I do know this. You've got a Christian that is a Christian. They say, you know, the leads, even leaders of the church and things like that, that they embrace abortion, murdering babies, how do Christians honestly stand before God someday and go, yeah, I believed in murdering your creation. I believed it was okay. Yes, they were created in your image. Yes, you breathed your spirit into them. Yes, they were a human being. But I didn't think they were worthy of staying alive. Why? Because I wanted to have sex when I wanted to, how I wanted to, and I didn't want to be any responsible for it. But how, how does that fall into the category of Christian? There's something very wrong there. So just because it's the church doesn't mean it's Christians. But here it says that even the chosen or even the people that are truly Christian, even some of them can be deceived. And I'm going to talk a lot about that next week, specifically with the church. We're going to look at some this morning. But um, he said, see, I've warned you about this ahead of time. The Lord is constantly warning us. Anytime you start talking about end time events, you have... You have people that are, you've got like two sides. You've got some people that say, don't ever talk about it because you never know the day or the hour. You don't know anything about it. It's all mystery. And all. Well, okay. But Jesus himself gave us many ex examples of pay attention and I'm going to give you signs that things are coming. Pay very close attention because I'm going to show you stuff that the only way that you're going to see what's coming up is if you understand what I'm showing you. All right. Do we know the day or the hour? No. But I've, I've preached this before, and I, I strongly believe, I'll preach it again coming up late summer, is I believe the rapture is going to take place on the, the time frame, the two to two and a half week time frame of the Feast of Trumpets. That's, to me, there's so much scripture that says that. 
Now, I have to be careful with that because then you're like, whoo, I got six more months. That's not what I'm trying to say. Okay? Because you, you, may, you may die today. You're like, that's depressing. I'm just throwing it out there. Don't wait until October. But he says, see, I warned you about this ahead of time. Revelation chapter 12. Then there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. Now, this, this little part of scripture, I've read a lot of stuff over the years. Some people say that this hasn't happened yet because of where it falls into the book of Revelation. But that's not what's going on here. We're seeing a, a, a display of something that right in the middle, all these things, in fact, if, if you pay attention when you're reading Revelation, there's circles that happen in the book of Revelation where, where Jesus explains something and then he goes through a circle where he reaches way back in time and then reaches forward in time and then brings you back to where you are. And you do this all through the book of Revelation. This is one of those parts. The third of the angels is talked about in Revelation 12 here happened before the Garden of Eden. It couldn't not have happened but, but before then. Why? Because the, Satan was on the earth in the form of a serpent in the Garden of Eden. If he was still in heaven as Lucifer, the, 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 uh, the, one of the archangels, then what's he doing in the form of a serpent on the ground? So, so you gotta, you got to put some timeline understanding there's a back and forth thing. You know, kind of the same thing. I've had people get confused about... The story of creation, because you see the seven days and then you see a repeat of the seven days. What's well, because he gives the overview and then he comes back and explains it, right? That's what he's doing right here. He's reaching back and he's taking us forward to show us something. He says, Michael and his angel fought against the dra dra uh, dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the angel, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world was thrown down to the earth with his angels. Okay? This is, this is before the garden. And, and the fact that, <clears throat> that Michael is the one that fights with him. Because Lucifer was an, arch, an archangel, as best we can tell from Scripture. I mean, he, it, took, it took one of the men to fight the man kind of thing. Okay? So then verse 17. And the dragon was angry at the woman. Now, I didn't read all the stuff in between, but the woman is the church, okay? The, the, and, and some people say, well, no, that's Mary, the mother of Jesus, and this is Jesus being born, and, the, and the, it, 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 there's not, you read it, okay? Because it talks about they're protected for three and a half years during the tribulation, all right? So, um, the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children, the children of the church, the people that are the church and continue to be the church. Propagating his church. All right. And now here's the key. Why is Satan so angry? Because they keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. That's what Satan hates about Christians. We do what God says. Now that should be a little convicting if you're not doing what God says, right? The reason that you're the church and the reason that Satan hates you is because you're doing, you're obeying the commandments. And you're living it out with word and with deed. Not just deed, because then there's no testimony completely. And not just word, because your life has to back it up. So your verbal testimony of who Jesus is, that's very important as we approach the end times. You have to have a verbal testimony of Jesus. And that's going to be demanded of you more and more without even realizing. It's not going to be, we're, we're not going to be allowed to be as passive, passive as we have been in Christianity over the, I'm saying in America, over the last 50 years. I, I remember as a, as a teenager in a church service when I was in, in high school, when this pastor, this preacher came and preached to us and, and explained that you don't have to ever tell anybody about Jesus. Just live it out. That was the normal thinking in the 1980s. That was normal. But here's the problem is, nobody gets saved that way. They go to hell knowing you're different. That's all that happens. You're, you're, they're, you're different, but they don't know why. And they still end up going to hell. <clears throat> We've got to have a verbal testimony and a living testimony. Okay. So then, Second <clears throat> um, Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus. 
Now, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you some stuff here. I, I do believe in a, in a pre-tribulation rapture, and I think a lot of the stuff here prove, proves this in Scripture. And there's a lot of other places that prove this. But my goal is not to try to convince you of that. I know different ones of you here believe mid or post or whatever. Um, you're wrong. But here's the thing with that. <laughs> is, guys, there's a reason why it's a pre-tribulation. There's a reason that it has to, we have to be taken out ahead of time. Hopefully you'll see that. If you still walk away saying, well, I believe in mid or whatever. Okay, that's fine. But the, the importance is what is going on with this, okay? So um, he said, let me clarify some things. The coming of our Lord Jesus and how we will be gathered to meet him. One is the gathered to meet him. We're not, the second coming is when he hits the earth. The, the rapture is when we're gathered to meet him up in the air. Those are two different moments in time. Okay? Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the Lord, day of the Lord has already begun. There seems to be a push right now in evangelical thinking, in, in, in Protestant, some evangelical, mostly mainline thinking, that we are in the tribulation right now. We're not. Okay, we're not. Israel has not signed the peace treaty. It takes that. That's what starts the tribulation. The first day of the tribulation is when the peace treaty is signed. Okay? Does the Lord know when it's going to happen? Sure, he does. But I also believe that, that some of that is malleable. The Lord lets us with free will do things and make decisions and do stuff. But the signing of the peace treaty starts the tribulation. Okay? Don't believe them, even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision or a revelation or a letter supposedly from us. The last one doesn't apply as much to us today, right? If somebody comes up and says, I think, it, I think it's going to happen now, and, and, and here's a letter from Paul that proves it. <laughs> Don't be fooled by what they say. For that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God, and the man of lawlessness is revealed. That is, the Antichrist. Uh, Paul talks about the Antichrist, and he also talks about the spirit of Antichrist, which in, 2,000 years ago, he said it's already here. And he said, this is the one who brings destruction. Now, he, he's moving up in time here. He says, <clears throat> he will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. This is specifically talked about in Daniel. And this happens at the three and a half year mark of the tribulation. So we're already moved into the tribulation. He's, gonna, he's moved ahead. He's going to jump back. He's going to do this a couple times here. Okay. For that day will not come. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object to worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. That's what opens the eyes of a lot of the Israelites when he does this. This is the mass exodus of Israelites from the Antichrist and into the arms of Jesus. And they become Christians. Right? Um, do you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? And you know what is holding him back. Who's holding who back? The Antichrist. What is holding the Antichrist back? For he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly and will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Now, for years, you back up. Um, this was in all denominations, all, most church teaching in evangelical into Pentecostal thinking. Um, the, the end time teacher that was probably the most published and respected for a long time was Jimmy Swagger. This was back in the, the 60s, 70s, and into the early 80s. And after that, uh, John Hagee became kind of the guy that does a lot of the teaching about this. And, and I really respect John Hagee. I've met him. I've talked to him a few times. I like him. But when he wrote the Blood Moons book, he got off the, 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 on a different trail somewhere. It doesn't make sense. There's a lot of stuff wrong with the... And I don't know why he wrote it. But, but in time teaching, he's the man. But back in the day, Jimmy Swagger was the guy, and he had a, theolo a theology that was wrong that the church embraced across all kinds of denominations for a long time. And that is, when they were reading this, they said that the one that is holding the lawlessness, the man of lawlessness back, is the Holy Spirit. And the church is going to be raptured, and the Holy Spirit is going to go with them. And then, because there are people saved in the tribulation, Jimmy Swagger didn't know what to do with that, so he used the scripture, talks about the angel flying over, um, bringing the gospel, those kind of things. He said, an angel is going to preach to you. The problem is theologically that does not work. Okay? An angel doesn't preach the gospel, people preach the gospel, and the Holy Spirit has to be here for us to get saved. So the Holy Spirit is not leaving before the tribulation. The Holy Spirit's going to be on this earth during the tribulation. Okay? Now, 
So then who, who is the one that's holding the lawless men of lawlessness back? That's the church. Now, if you just think about it, it kind of makes sense, right? What is the only thing holding back a lot of stuff going on in our society today? It's the church. It's righteous people, and sometimes not even righteous people, but moral people. Maybe they grew up in the church, maybe they were Christians as kids, and they're not now, but they still understand morality. They still understand God and his kingdom, and they are holding some of this stuff back. That's the church, okay? Um, what, what's holding immorality back? The church. What's holding the, the, the push of abortion? In fact, what is pushing abortion backwards right now? That's the church. The ACLJ is doing some amazing things at the Supreme Court level right now. As we speak, they're, they're working on this stuff. And, and we're pushing back. States are starting to stand up and say, no, we're not doing this anymore. You can't just have abortion across the country. This is wrong. It's immoral. It's murdering babies. And we're done. And there are states that are, it's illegal now in states. It's only a few, but we're getting there. Okay? This is huge. These are little babies that are in the balance. And so the church is what's keeping this back. All right? <clears throat> now, why is that important? Because the Antichrist cannot um, sit down and sign that peace treaty. He's not going to get the power and the authority to sit down at the table with Israel and sign that peace treaty until the church is gone. This is one of the reasons I believe in pre-tribulation. Sometimes people say, well, you believe in a pre-tribulation because rapture because you, you don't want the church to go through all the bad stuff. Well, Scripture actually says they're not going to go through the bad stuff, but that's not my reasoning. Okay, Go through it, don't go through it. That's, that's not my issue. It's because the Antichrist cannot be unleashed. His power cannot be set free to do what he wants with the church here. Now, tom uh, tomorrow, again. Next week, I'm going to talk a, a little bit about the church because the church is holding the Antichrist back. But guys, we haven't been doing a good job in a big picture of that. The spirit of Antichrist is moving strongly through our country, strongly through the planet right now, because the church has been complicit on some things. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you a little bit about that next week. So he says, <clears throat> um, the man of lawlessness, verse 8, the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of coming. Now, that's, he jumped all the way past the millennial reign with that one, right? You see that. Okay, he's going to destroy. Um, he's gonna, well, actually, the Antichrist dies before the millennial reign, but Satan does until the end. But he jumps all the way to the end of this thing and says, I'm going to destroy Satan with this. The man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. Why? Because the arena, again, is a spiritual arena. It's not a, it's not a social or political or whatever. He will use every kind of deception to fool those on their way to destruction. Because why? What puts us on the path to destruction? And this, this is, to me, kind of the, 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 the foundation of why we can get to the point where there is a one-world government, one-world religion, where believe in the lies, mark of the beast, all this other kind of stuff. How can the entire world get to the point where we put the mark of the beast on us? That, that, doesn't, con that doesn't connect in my head. Even, even non-Christian people that have any knowledge whatsoever of the Bible, they know that there is such a thing as 666. I had a friend of mine, he's a pastor up by Denver, he just bought this tiny little dirt trail bike thing, and then he sent me a picture and said, look at my hog. I'm like, your piglet? What is, I don't know what this, but on the gas tank it had 666. And I said, your little piglet loves Satan. Everybody knows what 666 is, but they don't at the same time, right? And so we, we understand this, but Satan is trying to deceive, okay? And he's, this, is how, this is how he gets them. Remember, Satan can only bring lies. Satan has no other weapons except lies. Scripture is very clear about that. He can only lie to you. His fiery darts are only lies. He doesn't actually have weapons, we think he does. We think he's got all this armament and all these weapons. It lies is the only thing he has. 2 Corinthians 10 talks about that the way he, he uses the spiritual uh, weapons against you, and then he explains what it is. It is he tears down your knowledge of God. That's his only weapon. Okay. Now with that, 
This is how we get to the point where we will accept this stuff. Because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. Not that they don't know it, but they refuse to accept it. Now, guys, I am not saying this to us, you know, kind of the preaching of the choir. I'm not saying this to us, pointing to the world and saying these people will. I'm saying to us in this room right here. Guys, the way that Satan is going to win the battle is when he can convince you to not embrace the love of Christ and to stand in his truth at all times. Now, we don't have a problem for the most part embracing the love of Christ, but what happens within the church, within our personal lives, is we accept non-truths. We embrace falsehoods, not big ones, little ones. And they grow and they grow and they grow. So it says, so God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. Now, this is where people get confused and specifically like predestination people. They say, well, see, God caused this to happen. The same way when you're looking at Pharaoh and it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart, right? And then people say, well, see, God made Pharaoh make that decision. That's not what he's saying. Look at the sentence above it again. They refuse to to they refuse to love and accept the truth that would say they've already made that choice. So then what does God do? God calls them to be greatly deceived. He says, if you want that path, you want to walk down that path, you can have it. Same thing he did with Pharaoh. He, God didn't harden Pharaoh's heart and then kill him with a hardened heart that he made. That doesn't make sense with everything else we know about God. That's a sentence that God is saying to get us to see the bigger picture. The same with this. God is not going to make them embrace a falsehood, and then the next sentence, they will be condemned. Jesus tells us in John chapter 3 that he didn't come to condemn anybody. So that must mean that they are making the decision, and God says, okay, if that's the path you choose, you can have it. I turn you over to that path. We see that all through the New Testament. right? Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth because you can't do both. So here's some lies. I, I, I'm just going to pick on some things that are kind of the bigger issues. There's a lot of other stuff that, that are more personal I'll get to a little bit later. <clears throat> but here's some of the stuff that as a society, we are believing the lie. We know it's a lie. We know it's not true, but we are choosing to embrace this. And I'm not going to say anything about COVID. I'm going to give you a break. Seriously, you, do I, I, I think I beat that horse to death. So we're going to, we're going to, I don't know if that's okay. I'm allowed to talk about beating horses to death. But here's some of the big lies that our society, we know it's not true. And we're embracing it with the biggest in our society today that's going on. I, I don't think it's the most um, impacting, but it is the biggest is the LGBTQ plus stuff. We get to make our own rules. We get to have our own sexual ideas. We draw up the parameters. We say who we're going to be and who we're not. It's not how God designed us. It's not what God made. It's something else, which, which tears apart at the idea that I'm creating the image of God. If I'm creating the image of God, but I don't like the way it is, and I completely change it, then how much am I really respecting God or this image? I'm, I'm making my own rules here. I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but I'll repeat it. That in Canada, a law was just made that mental health professionals cannot disagree or even state a casual disagreement about um, anything to do with the LGBT community. In other words, if somebody comes to a mental health professional in Canada, psychologist, psychiatrist, counselor, something like that, and they say, well, I think I'm gay, but I'm not sure. What do you think? If you say anything to the negative... If you don't embrace and push them toward LGBTQ, this is a law now. This is not just casual me saying this. You can, you can serve two years in jail and up to $125,000 fine. If you say anything like, well, maybe you weren't born this way. Let's investigate that. You will go to jail for it in Canada now. That's, look it up. It's crazy that, that, that we are where we are right now. Right now, sex change drugs, surgeries and things can be done on minors in our country without parental consent. That exists right now in the United States of America. Now, most of the time, those things are done through like school districts and counselors and things like that. The, the, you know, the, here, here's, 
We're, I'm going to get to this at the end, but I'm, I'm going to say this now because this is vital. We've got teachers and counselors and stuff in this room right here. Guys, the reason, you are the church holding this back. You are the church holding this back. I don't hang out in the schools. I can't be speaking to that junior high kid or that freshman high school. I can't be sitting there. But counselor, you can. School teacher, you can. And I think you have an obligation to God to speak the truth. Don't just give in. You say, well, my job may be on the line. This kid's eternity is on the line. Balance that. I, I know this is big stuff. I know this isn't comfortable stuff. Guys, this is, we've got to get to the point where we're saying enough is enough. I have got to stand for God. That's why I was saying it's, 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 we've been passive for so long and been allowed to spiritually, although I think that's the reason we are where we are, but we don't have the opportunity to be passive anymore. You're going to have to speak some stuff. You're going to have to say some stuff. But here's the cool thing. I, I believe that, that, I just had a conversation with somebody about this a couple weeks ago. I believe God will cover you and protect you and, and blind the eyes of those around you. Blind the eyes of the authorities. I, how many examples and stories have you heard over the years of people in North Korea and China and all kinds of places where the, the eyes of the, the authorities were blinded? Guys, we're there. Be bold in the Holy Spirit. Be wise, but be bold. The Penn State boys swimming team guy. Um, this, is a, this is just some, an example of, this is all over the United States right now. He's just the one that's getting the, the media about it because he was ranked like 264th as a boy swimmer in the NCAA D Division I. Now he is ranked number one in the girls swimming um, in, in Division I. And he is destroying all kinds of records. He's doing all kinds of stuff. And the NCAA is letting it slide. Now they're, they're, they're saying they're going to have to make some decisions about this. But you've got all these parents of girls that have been trying all of their life, finally get to make it to college, scholarship and all kinds of stuff, and they're being blown away by this boy. Why? Because he's a boy. And we say, well, boys and girls are the exact same. No, they're not. I could prove it in about five seconds. No, we are not the same. We, but, but do we play these stupid games? Now, this has moved to the IOC. The International Olympic Committee is now trying to decide if they're going to let transgenders um, uh, compete in women's sports. Here's the question for me. Why don't we ever have any go in the other direction? Like any of the girls that want to be boys trying to compete in boys' sports. Because they can't. I'm not, I'm not dissing you, ladies. You're just not created the same physically as men. Men can do a lot more stuff physically. Now, you, can, you got your own thing. you got your own niche. You can have babies. We can't. There's not a whole lot. There are a few. There's not a whole lot of guys vying for that, you know, fighting for the right to have babies. But so here's the thing with this. All this kind of stuff, this LGBT, all this kind of stuff, it pushes so many things. It pushes pedophilia. That's one of the strongest things it pushes, and nobody will own up to that. 20, almost 20 years ago, I, I'd gone up um, mountain biking up by Fort Collins. And, uh, and I, when I finished, I'd come back down. I was eating lunch in downtown Fort Collins. And all along the road, the, the main street right there in Fort Collins, right off the campus, was these signs on the, the, uh, the light post, the signpost. And I didn't know what they were. I had to look it up on my phone. It was NAMBLA, North American Man-Boy Love Association. They were having a parade in Fort Collins, that we, this is almost 20 years ago, a parade for man and boy homosexual pedophilia. And it was accepted and they were having a parade. And the fact that most of you here know what NAMBLA means, I didn't at the time, I was like, NAMBLA, oh my goodness. You know, I, I didn't know. And this was okay by the authorities of Fort Collins. Guys, I, I've been saying this for at least 20 years. Um, homosexuality, LGBT, all that stuff will always lead to pedophilia somewhere down the line. Years ago, I saw an episode of Law and Order that showed me they were discussing whether this should be okay or not from a legal perspective. And at that time, I was, I was pastoring a church before here, and, and um, I mentioned the church. I showed the clip, and I said, this is the, this is the beginning of the wall crumbling. And, and law and order still pushes this to the point where now they're making very strong 
legal pushes that pedophilia should be made legal on the Law & Order TV show. Well, here's the thing. That's the natural next step. By the way, it's already being pushed. This was the whole Epstein thing. Epstein didn't kill himself. This was the whole Epstein thing. Is it In Hollywood and Washington, pedophilia is running crazy, and Epstein had his little black book with all their names in it, and that's why when his wife just got uh, prosecuted and found guilty, they, the, both sides, <clears throat> the, the prosecution and the defense, agreed to keep the names quiet. Why? Because those are big names. That's, that's probably part of the reason. They're on the list, and... Some of the highest in Washington, some of the highest in Hollywood also, they're on that list. And they want to keep it quiet. Guys, this is a broken, immoral country that we are in. Very broken. But here's the thing. We're buying into the lies. You say, well, we're not as the church. Are we not? I'll talk more about that next week. But me personally, you personally, what about what we watch on TV? What about all the stuff? We'll watch it on TV. It doesn't matter. Nowadays, it's hard. you're hard-pressed to find a, a modern, popular show that there are not at least one gay person, and usually in a, in a very strong lead role. Although statistically, it's not a representation of our country. But we're pushing, we're pushing, we're pushing. It, it, it pushes home, human trafficking, pushes pornography. Next, next basic category of the lies is that there is not individuality anymore. Individualism is not a thing. And this is a basic tenet of what Marxism believes, is you are creating the image of God. You individually are creating the image of God. Marxism says you're one of the collective. In fact, anytime you're hearing people talk about the workers, they're talking about a socialist mentality. Okay, So, so you are not an individual to the point where you don't have the right. Now, it worked really good for abortion for a long time, but we've switched gears. Here, here's one you may not even process. We're seeing so much pushback against abortion in all these states and all this kind of stuff. You're not seeing the strong, um, I am in charge of my own body argument anymore. Why? Because we've taken that off the table. I wasn't going to mention COVID. But with things going on in our society, we've taken it off the table. Why? Because as an individual, you don't have any individual rights because it doesn't matter whether you're creating the image of God or anything. You're part of the collective. And so therefore, uh, morality is chosen by the people, not by your individual call or spiritual direction or the word of God or anything else. You don't have a voice individually and you are not allowed to live that out. We will sacrifice the individual that chooses not to get a vaccine or something else because they are destroying the collective. They're destroying the group. Well, but I've chosen not to do that. Well, it's going to kill you. Okay, then I'm choosing that. I don't think that's what's going to happen, but let's just say I'm wrong and, and me not getting the vaccination, I'm going to die. Okay, I am choosing that. You can't tell me not to. But now the collective says, no, you don't get individual rights. Individualism is taken away. Um, another one is this, um, this, this push toward anti-Christianity and paganism and all this other kind of stuff. And I believe the biggest religious movement in our society today right now has been for a long time, but we don't see it as religion, is environmentalism, is the go green and this kind of thing. Okay, Here, here is a, a document that came from... I, 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 print, I, print, I printed this out or copied this from um, a UN-sponsored convention on biological diversity. So the United Nations came up with this document at this convention. The biological diversity assessment is the document, and it, and it talks about Christianity being a separation from um, the necessary parts of being a human. Okay, This is their quote. Conversion to Christianity. So they've isolated one religion. Conversion to Christianity has therefore meant an abandonment of an affinity with the natural world. In other words, you don't care about the planet anymore if you get saved. And you've separated yourself from the world. And then it talks about like for forest dwellers and peasants and fishermen, all this other stuff. Choosing to be a Christian means you have disassociated, disconnected with the world, therefore your responsibility with the world. And you no longer have, you're no longer responsible, you no longer care to be responsible about the world. 
So we've got all of the, you know, I remember back in, in my day when six-pack plastic rings were the thing because they were trapping ducks or something like that. And um, then it became the Safeway plastic bags. Then it's, then it's bottles. So everybody was switching to water, bottled water, which I don't know, maybe this is just my perspective. But back in the day when bottled water first became a thing, and I'm like, they are charging 50 cents for bottled water. Now it's like $3. But I'm not ever going to buy bottled water. First, I lied. <clears throat> I will buy bottled water. Um, and then that was kind of a liberal move, in my opinion. That always felt liberal to me. Now the liberals don't like plastic bottles. What, have you seen any of the pictures of all of the masks in rivers and along the road and all that stuff? There's, oh wait, I mentioned COVID again. Well, that's not COVID, that's just masks. I don't know what these masks are for. <laughs> but you've got all these masks. Nobody talks about that stuff. What about good old Mother Earth being masked to death? And, and all that stuff, you can go look this up if you're interested. Um, search like uh, Mother Earth Worship. It'd be amazing how many websites you come up with and how they have criteria for this. But it's always, almost always associated with Wiccan and paganism and, and cult worship. Okay? Here's another lie, is the rewrite of history, the CRT, critical race theory, that all white people are racists. This is, this is you know, Columbus was a mass murderer. Thanksgiving wasn't about Turkey, it was about murdering Indians. That stuff is not true. It is not true. Don't buy into it. It is not true. They try to change 1776 is not the day of the beginning of our country. Um, 1619 is. That, came, that was created by a New York Times writer. And he said the real beginning of America is when we brought slaves here. Well, if that were true, which it's not, but if that were true, do you realize that there were slaves in this country long before white people got here? Long before black people got here? They were Native Americans, and they had slaves. I am Native American. Why do you laugh at that? My great-grandmother was Native American, and you know it. I don't care what DNA, whatever that place is, I sent my blood to, says. <laughs> Critical race theory, it's wrong, it's bad, it's horrible. And here's the thing, this is, this is some of the proof. Uh, Whoopi got in a little trouble over this. Now, this is what she said. Um, the, the extermination of the Jews, now she didn't use that terminology. Extermination of the Jews was a white man fighting a white man. Two white groups of people fighting each other. There's a bunch of problems with that. One is, uh, there was one group that wasn't fighting. They were being led to gas chambers and ovens and things like that. They weren't fighting. Most of them didn't even know where they were going when they were put on the trains. They weren't given a choice. They shut down their business, put them on a train, and then sent them to be murdered by the millions. They had to build extra um, furnaces and extra gas chambers to fit the thousands of people that were coming to um, Auschwitz and Birkenau and all these places. So first, it wasn't a fight with two groups of people. The second thing is, and I heard a great um, Jewish historian this week, I, I read and looked at a lot of this stuff, it was interesting to me, but the Jewish historian, I think, said it best. He said, you know, it's interesting that to Hitler, we were not considered white. He said to almost every people group ever that has tried to exterminate the Jews, We've never been considered white. He said, when we move to a country and we become financially successful, all of a sudden we're the authoritarian white man. And we've never been that, ever. There's a funny little book called Mein Kampf that explains what World War II was about. And it was to eradicate an entire bloodline, an entire race, because they were not white. That's the deal. But see, nowadays, CRT says anybody that, that has any kind of white tint to their skin, they're racist. You can't say things like, all lives matter. You have to say black lives matter. Guys, that is racist. 
We've got to open our eyes and see truth instead of this stupid lies that we keep just kind of tiptoeing around. See, here's the thing. I believe for every one of these I just named, everybody knows the truth, but nobody's willing to say it. We know it, but we can't say it. So, hit me with a bumper sticker. This is where we're going. I'm saying that's what I'm about to speak about. It's not where we're going. Let's look at some scripture about end time religion, Walmart religion, Mark of the Beast. Because this is a concept behind this. Which really, this bumper sticker can't really exist. It, it can't even exist, much less coexist. Because those things don't match up. They just don't. And so, Revelation chapter 13. And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. He was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life that belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. Now, this is after the tribulation has started. The church has been raptured, I believe. The tribulation has started. Now, there are going to be people saved during the tribulation. In fact, the first three and a half years, they're protected. That's, that's part of, I didn't read the scriptures in between there in Revelation 12. That's part of what they say in Revelation 12. You can see that. It says times, times, and time and a half. That's three and a half years. Okay. Now, with this, now the, the beast and the Antichrist, they're in charge, all these kind of things. The, the people that belong to or worship the beast, they are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life that belongs to the Lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. Verse 16, he required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. Now, if you go back to Ezekiel, this is the mark in Ezekiel that God puts on the forehead of the people to distinguish them between the sinners. He said, and he doesn't put the mark on people that just don't sin. He says, I'm going to put my mark on their forehead of the people that are disgusted by sin or repelled by sin or hate sin. Not just don't sin, but hate sin. So then again, Satan is a copier. He's not a, he's not a creator. He's a copier. He's a perverter. He doesn't make things. He takes what God makes and he perverts it. He twists it. That's the same way. Have you ever processed the, the false prophet, the beast, and the antichrist? That's, that's Satan's trinity. That's what Satan is building as the trinity. Okay, So, no one could buy or sell without the mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Now, let me tell you what I think about this. I might be wrong here. But I, I really think this, okay? There's a lot of things that God has showed us eschatologically. He's showing us things, and I think he's revealing things more. Scripture says in the last days, knowledge will increase, and I believe that includes biblical knowledge. And I think there's a lot of things that we know now that we didn't even know 10 years ago. Specifically with all this, this stuff that's been going on with the COVID and the pandemic, we're seeing the world become these things. Now, with that being said, it says wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. In Greek, that says it is the number of humanity. This is important because people try so hard to try to figure out the mark of the beast and all the stuff about it and 666 and all this other stuff because it's the mark of the man. But, but really, I think the actual proper term would be it's the, it's the mark of humanity. And then he says... Um, his number is 666. Let me throw one in here just to really mess you up, okay? We have a handful of other original, not like original biblical time, but early Greek manuscripts that actually have the number as 616. You're like, what? I got I to gotta call my pastor friend back and tell him, scrape off that middle six and draw a one in there. So your little piglet motorcycle will be still appropriated to Satan. But here, here's the thing with this, guys. This is, this is what I really believe, all right? I don't think we have all of the knowledge that we're supposed to have for the mark of the beast yet. I think we're getting really close and we're beginning to see things. But back in the day, it was going to have a barcode on your, your hand or your head. I don't think that's what it is, okay? I know that people believe that, and if, and if it turns out to that, fine. Find me in heaven, I might admit it. But... I, I don't think that's what this is. I think the mark of the beast falls into the category of we don't know yet. 
but he's going to show us. And as we get a little closer to this, we're going to know, and through wisdom and discernment, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about this next week, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to have this revealed to us, but right now we don't know. So, um, I'm going to skip over the next scriptures. I did want to show this picture, um, just because I showed it a a couple months ago, I think, but it's the uh, One World um, Religious um, Headquarters thing. Um, guys, this is no longer conjecture or speculation. This is, this is almost finished being built. Okay. Um, it's in Saudi Arabia, which I always thought was interesting because Saudi Arabia kills people that are Christians and they kill people that proselytize for Christianity. But there is going to be a Catholic building, a Catholic temple, um, a Muslim mosque and a Jewish temple. These are the three things you're seeing here. In a country that does not allow two of those. Okay, so let me jump down. You can read the rest out of Revelation 17 that I've got here. It has to do with the one world church. But here's where I think we've come to. Number one, this is how it deals with us. The reason that the world will embrace lies is because I personally have embraced lies. Now let me explain that. I believe that when... You know, the scripture says that you're a light on a hillside, you know, don't cover the light, don't put a bushel over the light. I I think when you are living out Christ and living out truth, you have a much bigger uh, area of influence than you ever will know while you're on this earth. Stand for truth, stand for the word of God, live in love, live the the word of truth. When you do that, I believe that, that, that you are pushing back the darkness. You are being the church that is holding back the power and the control of the Antichrist. But I also believe the opposite happens. When you give in here and you give in there, darkness moves in. You can see this because when a parent gets involved in something they shouldn't be involved with, it always affects the kids. When when a parent gets involved in pornography, the children are over-sexualized at a young age, even if they do not know that mom and dad or mom or dad or whatever was involved in pornography because it's a spiritual thing. It affects us spiritually. So you've got to, to realize that when you give in to little things here and there, I, I, wrote, I wrote a list of some things, okay? And it, and it comes from this. It came from um, Alexander Solzhenitsyn. I can never say this right. Okay, I know you guys all know his name, but whatever. He wrote the Gulag Archipelago. The, the, he, wrote, he made a statement in there. He said, live not by lies. Now there's a book out by Rod Dreher that's called Live Not By Lies. You should get that book. You should look it up right now on your phone, and you should get that book. It is an amazing book, and it has to do with the difference between lies and truth and who we are as a country. I was underlining, making notes, and pretty soon I realized almost every page was underlined. It's a great book, okay? But here's the concept. Don't don't live something that's a lie. Live truth under all circumstances. Live truth. Guys, this is where it's important for us. Here's some things. We, we embrace a little bit of here or there. We embrace a little bit of lies. A little bit. We don't stand up against things that we should stand up against. We don't have a voice when we should have a voice. We're embracing falseness. We may not even be embracing the lies, but darkness moves in quickly. We, we watch nudity. We watch it. And we don't care. I'm talking about the church, guys. We watch nudity. We, we, we will watch a TV show that has got all kinds of cussing in it, nonstop. And y'all, I always want to say to myself, what, what if Jesus just walked in and sat down right there? Would you turn the TV off? I would hope. But the fact you would turn the TV off proves it shouldn't have been on. And we do this kind of stuff. We embrace this kind of stuff. We, we, you know, we cuss just a little. But see, Scripture says that using the name of the Lord in vain is a sin. Using the Lord's name as a cuss is, is a sin. But we'll play around with all a little bit of rebellion, a little bit of cussing, because it's not that big of a deal. It's just a little bit. I'm not really doing anything wrong. I'm not using the Lord's name in vain. That darkness is darkness. And it works in, and it works in, and it works in. And I've had people tell me, well, that cuss word, it's only a cuss word in English. Well, since that's the only language I really know, 
I mean, we, we have goofy little arguments. I, I choose rebellion in certain, certain ways in marriage and in sexuality and stuff like that. I choose rebellion. I don't treat my, my spouse the way that I'm supposed to. I play around with stuff. Because that leads to things. It gets in our heart. It gets in our spirit. And it changes us. That, that kind of pushing against... Well, we're embracing falsehood. We are pushing against truth. And we're giving Satan power in the process. I refuse correction. I refuse when, when somebody, you know, I said this a couple weeks ago, and I don't think you guys caught it as strong as I felt it, but I really believe a lot of the Antifa stuff that's been going on, these riots and burning buildings and all this kind of stuff, taking over cities, I believe that's at the parents' feet. I believe you've got a whole generation there, and mom and dad never told them no, and as I, as I mentioned a few months, a few weeks ago in the message, they never disciplined their children. Because for me, I couldn't imagine going into a public setting, even if I really did not like that uh, mall or something, I cannot imagine going and destroying things and burning it up. It doesn't connect in my head. And we are refusing correction. We're refusing it with parents to children. We're refusing it one-on-one in accountability stuff. Correction. All right. And I'm not going to read this scripture, but I, I do believe it, it started at the garden. Adam and Eve built their own ideas, their own life, and they lived by that. Instead of choosing God's plan, they chose theirs. The sad part is, is they actually chose Satan's. They just didn't realize that's what would happen. So here's how we combat this. What I already read in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on the way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived. Guys, our responsibility is to love in Christ and to accept the truth, to live it, to believe it. Why don't you bow your heads with me? Lord, we commit ourselves to you right now, that you're the one that's in charge, that you're the king and we are not. You're the sovereign ruler of the world, Lord. That you put the stars in the sky, you control everything. You created the earth and you created every single human being. Lord, I, I, I strongly attach to the scripture that says, do not think too highly of yourself. Lord, I'm yours. I'm your servant. Lord, you choose to make me friend, but I'm also your servant. So Lord, we bow our life to you. We bow our existence to you. Lord, we ask you to be God over us. Forgive us of our sins, Lord. Forgive us of the times when we embrace falsehoods. Little lies here and there. We don't stand up against lies. God, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. Lord, help us to be people of truth. Under all circumstances, to be people of truth. Guys, you've got to talk to him yourself here. And I believe part of this is to make a commitment. Lord, I'm going to be about truth. I'm going to be about truth, Lord God. I'm going to be about truth. I'm going to be about your, your righteousness, keeping your commandments and loving others. Keeping your commandments and being a testimony. Lord, I think we've I think we as the church have been playing around too long. Help us, Lord God. In the name of Jesus. I want us to take communion together. And <clears throat> again, I, I do want this to be a little bit individual. I'm not going to read you scripture or any of that kind of stuff. We're just going to pray and then we're going to take it and and um, I mean, we can take it together, that's okay. But what I'm saying is, for you personally, in your spirit, in your mind, in your heart, just say, Lord, I really need you to be in charge of me. I really need you. I don't want to live by the lies. Does anybody need communion? Did you not get it? Charles is bringing some to you.
here's where, here's where we go with this. To me, this kind of makes sense. Is to say, Jesus, I commit myself to you. See, taking communion says, I really believe this thing. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, you shouldn't take communion if you don't really believe it because it's dangerous for you spiritually and physically. To say, I believe in healing, but not really believe in it. I believe the blood covering, but not really believe. 1 Corinthians 11 gives some dire warnings about that. But to be able to say, okay, I really do believe this thing. Jesus died on the cross for me, and I'm all in with that. Guys, that's where we have to be. If I'm all in with Jesus died on the cross for me, then I got to be all in. That means on Monday at work, I'm all in with Jesus died on the cross. I don't switch gears and become the work person. When, when I go home from here, I don't, I don't become whatever that person at home is. I'm all in with Jesus person then at all times. Right? So we're going to pray and we're going to take this together. But I really want you to, I really want this to be you. You talk to the Lord. I always pray the same thing when I take communion. Jesus, forgive me. Cover me with your blood. I want, I want to be right with God. You say, well, aren't you already right? I hope so. I believe so. But I don't play around with this. This, is, this represents the most important thing in our lives right here. All right, Lord, we, we commit ourselves. Lord, I believe that your body was torn. You specifically said it was torn so that I could be physically healed. So, Lord Jesus, we embrace that. We embrace your word. We embrace your truth. God, help our disbelief. Help our unbelief. Lord, that we just want to believe that you are the healer. And that that's your plan, that's your goal, that's your will to heal us. God, help us to see this and to, to go there. So, lead, Lord, even as we take this bread, that we're embracing the reality of truth. That you died for us physically, too. So, God, thank you for your body. Thank you for letting it be broken. In the name of Jesus. Let's take that bread. Thank you for this, Jesus. Lord, I believe right through this room right now that you could just be healing people. I think it's your plan, Lord. I think it's your will. So even as we're taking this, heal our bodies. Jesus, we thank you for your blood. The only way we could get the blood is that you had to die. So Lord, thank you for taking your own life and hanging on the cross. And thank you for your blood. Cover us with your blood and forgive us, wash us clean. Make us right with God the Father. Cover us, protect us in every way. And Jesus, we are all in with you. Let's take the drink together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the amazingness of you and your gospel and forgiveness and truth. Lord, and I pray that we will stand for truth in all things, starting the little things, God, and we, we stand for the big things because of that. We stand for truth. In the name of Jesus, we stand for truth. We thank you. Before noon tomorrow, God, God's going to give you the opportunity to let somebody know Jesus loves them. Do the best you can to let somebody know. Tell somebody about Jesus. It is the greatest thing you will do for somebody else ever. Tell somebody about Jesus and God will honor that in your life. It's a guarantee. So shake somebody's hand. Tell them you're glad they're here and we will see you Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your afternoon.